there's a fine line. Don't push it too far. It might work here and there, mm -hmm. but you'll lose a lot of deals because people will get turned off. And then, then you might not be able to get them back on the phone again or get them to responding to any of your communication. Then you've just lost a deal because you were trying to push it too far. Welcome to Turning Profit, a podcast for people that love real estate. Learn the business models and skills that professional real estate investors use to make money and build wealth. Visit turningprofit.com for a wealth of investor resources. And now, here are your hosts, Pete and Heather Reese. Welcome to the Turning Profit Podcast. Heather, it's so great to be here once again. Well, I had no idea you were going to open with that line. Well, I'm very repetitive and I'm very, uh, didn't you tell me over the weekend that I'm very, what was the, predictable? Predictable and regimented, mm -hmm. which yeah, is I'm, good. I'm predictable I'm, and I'm fine being predictable. Mm -hmm. That's okay. So today's podcast is a very exciting <laughs> one. <laughs> no real comments on that? <laughs> no, this actually, when you told me what we were going to be talking about today, I was actually, I mean, I get excited for most of these because it's stuff we know and stuff we enjoy talking about. But this one I think is important because it's kind of like, okay, everyone wants to know this, right? Yeah. So what is it? Well, how to maximize the profit on each and every land flipping deal. Because here's the thing. We get so many people that we talk about, don't push a deal, don't force a deal, right? Mm -hmm. And then we talk about, you know, deals they're not a dime a dozen, but there's always another deal. So don't freak out. But OK, right. so you get the deal. Then your job is to maximize it. Right. Well, there's all kinds of different levers that you can pull to maximize your profit. Levers. Okay. Levers. Yeah. So I'm, I'm talking fancy today, Heather. Mm. Um, so we're going to go through each of these different levers. There's there's a, <laughs> probably a more than than what you are kind of thinking off the top of your head. Well, I so we're going to break down every single one of these things so you can maximize the profit on every one of your deals. I know there's going to be ones I, I'm not thinking of. Right. Because you're really into these levers. I am. Now I'm going to make fun of, of you levers. for levers. Yeah. Well, so what made you want to do talk about this today? Well, uh, it's. I mean, it's a little bit of a complicated subject. I mean, it sounds easy. Mm -hmm. You The better price you get, the more profit you'll have. The more you sell a property for, the, the more profit you'll have. The, the less uh, expenses that you have, the, the more profit you'll have. But these kind of all work together. And the problem is that some of them aren't as clear cut as they sound, mm -hmm. you know. So maximizing profit is one thing, but you don't want to do that at the expense of killing a deal altogether, you know, or limiting your upside or something like that. But we're going to get into each of these. And um, so it's a little more complicated than it sounds. But uh, but I think if you go through some of these guidelines that we're going to cover today, that uh, it should really help you out. Right. And I think also a lot of times you just look at, well, I don't want to put money into it. Mm -hmm. People are scared to put money into things where, okay, it's kind of like what the, you're paying a certain amount for the property anyways. So if you think about that, what's then putting more money into it if you can make more money? So even thinking of it as two separate things saying, okay, if I spend 20000 and I, I think I'm going to be able to sell it for forty, and I'm going to make 10000 okay. But then if you do another 5000 even just kind of think of it completely separate. If I invest $5,000 and I can turn that into fifteen, you would be like, oh, that's a no-brainer. Right. But somehow if you put them together, people freak out. Like, I'm not putting any more money into this property. Right. Like, that's no way. So you've got that. And then you have the, on the other side, you have people who are like, I'm going to do all these things. And you're like, but is that going to give you money back? It's like when people talk about remodeling houses, a lot of times they'll say, oh, I'm going to remodel this. I'm going to do a new kitchen or a new bathroom or something like that. And it doesn't turn out to work. No. Because it's like, first of all, the people coming that will buy it are like, this is ugly. It's not my style. Right. So it's about knowing both sides of that. Right. Yeah. That's a, that's a really common issue for house flippers. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of them will go overboard and basically try to customize things for their own particular tastes, not considering the tastes of the buyers and what will ultimately impact their, their bottom line. The you most. know, that reminds me, we, we made that mistake, not like years and years ago, but it wasn't necessarily the inside of the house. It was landscaping. We we're like big into curb appeal because it is the first thing people see, Right. And we would go all out on that. And then we realized that keeping it more simple and have like keeping it seriously less is more, make mm -hmm. it look nice. And I think the same thing can apply to this. If you have clear guidelines, you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to follow. I'm going to go down these, think of it this way, go through, down this whole path and not try to go too crazy because it's hard to stop yourself. So I think a lot of these tips are going to be kind of refocusing your brain. It mm -hmm. doesn't, you don't. It doesn't make sense sometimes, and sometimes it really does make sense. Yeah, so, keep an eye on the big picture, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, anything you want to make fun of me about or anything you want to talk about? Oh, no. I mean, uh, aside from the fact that our house is now a Christmas wonderland, 
Oh. And it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Yeah, you have an issue with that. I don't really care. I still am in fall mode right now. till after Thanksgiving, and then we can transition into Christmas holiday mode. It's been like 24 years, and I think you should understand this by now. It's August to October 31st is Halloween. Okay. Okay. And then November 1st through November 22nd is Christmas. And then you get the 23rd, 24th for Thanksgiving. Okay. And then the 25th through the 25th of December is Christmas again. So Thanksgiving has its place. Uh I like to call it Indigenous People's Day. Okay. Has two days. That's not even what I thought you were going to make fun of me on. You, we've had this long time thing where I invested our four hundred one k in stock market. Mm, Right. And you were like, "That's stupid." Even though you used to be a stockbroker. Yeah. Well, I know enough that I don't like it. Right. And I was like, "Oh, I'm going to do." You know, actually, I told you to put it all in like ETF, whatever. You made Mm -hmm. out fine in the stock market. Mm -hmm. I didn't because I didn't listen to my own advice because I thought it would be fun to chase. I did lose some money on some individual stocks, Carnival Cruise Lines. You're still bitter about that. I don't even know. Yeah. But anyways, you were like, we should be doing, you know, doing some land deals in it. I was like, okay, whatever. But I didn't want to sell my stocks at a loss because I don't know. I had that scarcity mindset. You did. You mm-hmm. sold those stupid ones. Mm-hmm. And now your value, your four, we won't even get into details, but your 401k value is significantly higher than mine and you own more assets. So right before we came on, he was like, oh yeah, I got a, another offer on one of my properties. I was like, what? He's like, oh yeah, it's, you know. Hmm. And then I reminded him that what's his is mine. True, true. Yeah. So he should be watching matter. his back, it's, really. It's like a little bit of a competition, I guess. But you know, well, I've, any, any deals that she does in her 401k are... You know, ones that I kind of you you, you steer them towards me. So what what about that? Anyways, I think that's funny, but I think that's something people might not realize they could do. Yeah, yeah, you have to have you have to have self directed, and you have to you know these type of things where you can you have to set up your retirement account so you can actually buy alternative assets mm-hmm. with them. But it's and we're not possible. we're not experts in that, but you can no. message Pete; he might be able to. <laughs> Please. Don't message me. I'm not an expert on <laughs> well, it either. Then, then find somebody that can help you with that. But yeah, we're definitely not experts. But I just think that's funny because a lot of times you this land stuff kind of has further reaching um, possibilities, if you will. That's right. Well, okay, so let's get into the. Topic I wasn't gonna. Of the day. I wasn't gonna brag about that, Heather. But you know, that's I'm okay. gonna make a considerable amount on that. So anyhow, this discussion about maximizing the profit on each and every deal. First of all, I think it would be a good idea to actually start with sort of the just generic de- definition of what we're talking about when we're talking about profit on a deal. And when I talk about profit on the deal, I'm talking about the gross profit, meaning I'm not considering all the other expenses that may exist in your business. That could be the marketing expenses, could be your team expenses, could be software, any of these types of things that uh, a normal business has. I'm talking about per property profit. You know, right. That's typically called gross profit. So we do it like on the property level is what you're doing. We're right, just looking exactly. at that. We're not looking at the big picture of other right. stuff. So, you know, maybe in a different episode, we'll talk about how to maximize the profit in your business overall. But this is per property per deal. So well, this so, is what. And that kind of goes beyond other like everyone runs their business differently. That's why we don't do that. I think right. it's more important to talk about it on a property level because then anyone who's doing this kind of stuff can can relate to it. Right. As opposed to if we said, oh, we've got huge employee costs mm-hmm. and someone's like, it's just me. Yeah. And, and the thing is, too, it depends on what your overall goals with the business are. Mm-hmm. You know, for, for many, many years, Amazon was operating at a massive deficit, like not a profitable business for many, many years. I'm, I think they are now, but I haven't checked in a long time. But, but their whole thing was growth. Obviously, they started as just a bookseller, and they became the world's dominant online, you know, r- retailer. So that took a lot of reinvestment into their business to get to the point where they're at right now. Warehouses and staff, people and technology and all this stuff. They kept reinvesting into the business, and what happened? They became the Biggest behemoth you could imagine in the online space. And um, that wouldn't have happened if they would have been focused on profits in the short term. And please note, Pete also is really pushing me to keep growing our business bigger and bigger. So this oh, might yes. be a little tie-in. Re- reinvesting. reinvesting. He's reinvesting in his um, in his goal of getting me to reinvest more money. I, I can see <laughs> right through this. Okay, but that's- well, you know, it's a sales pitch. <laughs> it's a sales pitch. That's, that's smart that you... You noticed that, Heather. Wow. So that was for my benefit just as much no, as yours. No, no, not just not not just Heather's benefit, but another that's a side benefit of what I was saying. It was for Pete's benefit. Okay. It's just what's on my mind. I'm just talking about what's on my mind. That's okay. good, Heather. So anyhow, 
awkward. Moving on from that, uh, let's just talk about this kind of gross profit formula. So you're talking about, in just general terms, you're talking the net sales price minus your cost of goods sold. Now, obviously, in real estate, it's a little bit different than having you know, inventory or whatever. So that's a, uh, that's a kind of accountant speak, cost of goods sold. But basically what that means is what you sold the property for after closing costs and commissions minus what it costs for you to buy the property and then any property-specific expenses. So that's kind of the general equation there. And I'll break it down a little bit as an example. So say, for instance, you buy a property for $20,000. Okay, that's the contract price, $20,000. Now, by the time you close it, it could be $22,000 because the title company you're working with has closing costs and you're paying some of the the seller's expenses and things like that. So you're at $22,000 kind of all in on this property. Now, after that, you decide, I'm going to spend $2,000 to clear some brush because I think I'm going to be able to sell it for more that way. So now you're at a $24,000 cost, $22,000 to buy it, $2,000 in brush clearing costs. Now you put it on the market, you sell it with a real estate agent or broker, and you sell it, you know, the, you get a contract price of $50,000. Now, in that case, you've got closing costs and commissions to pay. And maybe after the closing costs and commissions, you're at $44,000, right? The basic equation is you've got $44,000, which you took in after all was said and done, minus you've got $24,000 in expenses. That leaves you with $22,000 in gross profit. So hopefully that was easy to follow without any sort of graphics on the screen. Just going back to the very top, I said the net sales price minus the cost of goods sold. When I say net sales price, I mean after commissions and closing costs, not like a net Okay. Okay, so... Now that we've got that clear, essentially, you've got $22,000 in gross profit after that example that I gave. So there are numerous ways that you can kind of tweak that equation, numerous variables within that equation. You know, obviously, we covered a lot of things, what you bought it for, what your expenses were on the buy side, the fact that you decided to do some value add to the property, meaning some brush clearing, uh, the fact that you were able to sell it for $50,000. These are all different variables. The costs of commissions, the costs of closing costs, and then all those things combined to actual that that uh, gross profit, which was twenty two thousand dollars. Okay, so you you keep using the word gross profit, but in my mind, it works a little different. So I think of it as the net profit. Okay. Because if you take like I take a sales price of like fifty thousand, and then I subtract things from it, then there's the net. Right. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess I'd use that term gross profit a lot when when maybe the correct accountant speak is using the net net profit. You know, I just don't want to confuse it with the fact that we're not talking net right. profit. You know, right. You're overall, thinking, so yeah, you're trying to make sure that we're not saying like, oh, this is everything included in it. Right. So, so maybe okay. yeah. I understand what you're talking about. Um, so. It could be it could be used either way, but no. you know what I'm talking no, about. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, I'm just trying to explain the numbers. So let's just talk about. Uh, there the should be actually there should be like a mid level word. Okay. Before yes. you take into account the other things, but you're right. talking about on a property level, you're talking about the net profit on the property level. On the property level, but not okay, the not our complete net profit in our business. Right. Okay. Uh, I stand corrected. Heather. Okay. Go on. Go on. Uh, anyhow, so. In this example, there are a number of different things, number of different categories, number of different variables that you can tweak, mm-hmm. number of different levers that you can pull. <laughs> you like that term too, right? I don't know why. I, for some reason, it's like like it's an inappropriate true. word. I have no idea why. A lever? Like, I'm like, That's not inappropriate. I know, but I like it makes me laugh Like when you say pull. I don't know. Go okay. on. This so here weird. are the different categories. And I've got a cheat sheet here, which um, if you see me looking away, that's why I'm looking away because I don't want to forget anything. Right. You've got the purchase price. Mm-hmm. You've got the closing costs on the purchase itself. Mm-hmm. You've got property improvement or value add expenses. Mm-hmm. So that's an expense, but hopefully it's actually adding value at the end. And then we've got marketing expenses. Um, these could be anything from extra marketing that you do for the property or paying commissions. Those are marketing expenses. Then you've also got the resale negotiation. You know, there's a process when someone submits an offer and you get to negotiate and see what kind of. Uh, contract you can put together. You know, I have to stop because I never thought of that part of it as a as a way to increase profit, but it absolutely is because so many times you would take like a low, like you take the first offer yeah, and you how much do you that. leave on the table. Right. But that in and of itself could be a value add. Go right. on. That's, exactly. that's interesting. And then you've got the mm-hmm. resale transaction expenses. Right. Okay. So all of those are, are different categories where you've got some control over things mm-hmm. and you can buy 
exerting the, the right type of control, you can hopefully increase your profit on this property. Let's just go through them one by one, and we're gonna talk about some tips and some ways that you can actually improve your profit on each of these deals. Oh my gosh, this week is like multiple pages. Oh yeah, three pages. It's a very extensive one. So I've got a lot of tips that keep, you know, coming out of my head. I had to take off my watch because it was distracting me. And this time I have to actually pay attention to you. Okay. So <laughs> this is your stuff. This is a lot, a lot of this is your you I know, know, accounting but, and numbers and everything like but that. But that's but why I have to actually like. Actually, I, the, the funny part about it is a lot of it really isn't even about the numbers. It's about just different, different things uh, in each of these little sub processes where you can make little tweaks and improve things, so. Right, you know, it's funny, we don't really talk about the bookkeeping aspect of this, but it's not hard because it's just, there's no gray area in that, you it's know? It's just recording what is. That's exactly it. Mm -hmm. And so all the decisions aren't actually made on that level. Mm -hmm. And it's when you're looking at it, you're not looking at the numbers, you specifically, are, you're not looking at it the way that I look at it, where the, I'm looking at the actual numbers, you're looking at it as a way to increase Mm -hmm. or decrease right as opposed to a strict number right and which makes sense because i think more black and white than you do and so if for me i might be like well that's not worth it and then i have to remind like we would only make a thousand dollars right profit on something and i have to push myself and actually i have to remind you a lot on that too that's still a thousand dollars yeah so sometimes it makes sense to you know what i mean yeah yeah i know what you mean okay you know I, i'm not gonna buy any of these properties though with the intent of like just making a thousand dollars on it though no i mean when we're in like would it make sense to get i don't know a perk test sometimes oh okay and, yeah yeah you know what i mean like mm -hmm. okay it's a couple hundred bucks yeah and we'd make another thousand dollars well that's like part of the bigger picture where we're already going to make forty thousand dollars another thousand sounds good right exactly yeah that makes a lot of sense right but i wouldn't go through all this for a thousand dollars some people would right mm -hmm. and and that's fine that's your business model but there's also the time the the time element in that sense. Opportunity cost yeah. as well. Yeah, no, because like really, if it's going to take you three hours of your time and you'll make $1,000, I mean, that's not bad. I'm it's not, pretty good hourly yeah, rate, I'm not saying that's yeah. bad, but if you could also take that same three hours and you could get two more deals where we'd make $40,000 on each one, mm -hmm. that's that makes no sense whatsoever. Right. Okay, so yeah. let's go on. Okay, first big lever mm -hmm. is the purchase price. The purchase price. So. Uh -huh. Hey everyone, just a quick reminder that you can join our community for free at landconquest.com. Inside, you'll get all the resources, training, and support for building a thriving land flipping business. Once again, that's landconquest.com. All right, enjoy the rest of the show. Obviously, with your purchase price, this is a negotiation between the seller and you as the buyer. And in negotiation, there's all kinds of tactics and techniques and things that you can use to help you negotiate a better price. Now, um, you've got, you know, and what we do, <laughs> and what, what's wrong? Is your microphone like, all messed up? No, it was too, too high or something. I was trying to really fix it. And then all you have to do is just bend it. Okay. Yeah. Down. That's right. There you go. That's why you need to be watching this. Uh, if, if you're listening to this only, you need to be watching these on YouTube as well. Yeah, you're watch you're how missing all the excitement here. Full of herself. <laughs> So you've got the negotiation mm -hmm. aspect of it. And a lot of times, you know, what we're doing is we're, with a lot of our marketing, we're sending out an offer in the mail. So that price on the offer is kind of the first anchoring point of, you know, the, the, the potential negotiation. But it's not that whatever price is on that offer is actually set in stone. Sometimes we actually have to pay more than that. Sometimes we end up paying less than that because the property wasn't what we thought it was or something something along those lines. So when we're doing the offer, it's very black and white. Like somebody's situation or something doesn't play into that. It's what makes sense. What's the most that we can pay for this piece of property? And a lot of people get hung up in the emotional aspect of it too. You're dealing with people and like, oh, I need this or oh, I need that. Or I don't know. You know, you try to bring the best deal you can to them, but it still has to be profitable. It has to make sense. Right. Yeah. That's, that's all true. You know, it's, it's just about the business side of things here. And it's just numbers. Yeah. And when you're negotiating someone and obviously communicating with the seller, uh, they're bringing, you know, whatever their situation mm -hmm. is into the deal, but you got to really keep a, a big picture thing on, on the, on, uh, you know, in mind, you know, you're looking at the numbers of the deal and ultimately how much profit are you going to make on this deal? So mm -hmm. that's you're trying to project that, you know, during your negotiation. So after you get 
some initial information, a little bit of qualifying information after your communication with the seller, uh, then if it makes sense, then you could start a little bit of a negotiation. So maybe you found out something about the property that wasn't ideal that you didn't realize at first. Maybe there's some other complicating factors. And, um, you know, you can always ask this question. And I think this is a really helpful question to kind of, you know, sort of sort of figure out, you know, possibly what the seller's bottom line is. And, you know, you would kind of reiterate the fact that like, hey, I, I didn't realize that this property was so sloped or didn't have much road frontage or whatever the case may be. You know, given all this, what is the absolute best price that you can do on this? Right. And then you, and can then you stop do- talking. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, but a lot of people will keep. OK. Um, right. OK. Um, you know, and it's just like it's that's really what it is. They have a number. Normally they have a number. Right. And if they don't, they say, I don't really know. Right. And then say, for instance, they come back and they say 20,000. OK. Uh, I mean, is that is that the best you can do? How, how about a little, you know, how about if we get how about if we do 18? You know, so it doesn't even mean that that's their best offer, but at least it's kind of an anchoring point or something like that. And sometimes you might be surprised. You were, you might have been willing to pay 20, but they come back at 15 or something mm-hmm. like that. So it's always a good idea to kind of summarize the situation, put the ball back into their court, see what they might come up with, and then uh, start from there in negotiations. So, yeah, the, the goal is win win. Right. You want them to be satisfied with what they're selling it, and then you need to be able to make money. Right. That's it. You're not in a charity of buying properties. Yep. Then the other thing I should mention, too, is there's a fine line. Don't push it too far. You know, don't don't play such hardball like, hey, you, you, you'd pay 20 and the numbers would work at 20, but you're going to try to hold out for $10,000 or something like that. And uh, it might work here and there, mm-hmm. but you'll lose a lot of deals because people will get turned off. And then then you might not be able to get them back on the phone again or get them to responding to any of your communication, then you just lost a deal because you were trying to push it too far. Right. I so. think some people gamify it too much. Mm-hmm. And it's like kind of the, if they have the gambler's mentality, yep. it's kind of like that. Right. They'll figure it out. Yeah. So. And yeah, it's a, it's a matter of experience. You know, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll kind of uh, realize these situations. You'll get to read people a little bit better. You'll get more comfortable in the negotiations and you'll get better at it over time. You're, you'll think back, oh, Remember when I lost that deal because I tried to push it too hard? I don't right. want to. I don't want to lose this deal. So what's it gonna? What's it gonna take to kind of make a win-win type deal? Like you said, you'll find your balance. Yeah, yeah. So the other thing is, uh, you know, you got once you got the purchase price established, that's kind of that's kind of the first big thing that's going to um, mm-hmm. help you with your profit is to look at the closing costs on the purchase. Right now, typically as the buyer, you get to direct where this is going to be closed at, you know, the closing company that you deal with. And depending on the state, it could be a title company, it could be an attorney, it could be an escrow company. Regardless, you know, one of the things you can do is just, you know, if you don't have someone established in that area, you can call around and kind of ask them about their service and ask them what they're, you know, an estimated pricing would be on that. So your number yeah. three on here is exactly what I was going to say. Oh, on okay. Here. Yes. I, I yeah, I, yeah, exactly. This is what I was getting. Like, yeah. I struggle with this because mm-hmm. cheapest is not always the best. That's what we've learned. Right. You get what you pay for a lot of times. Mm-hmm. You want efficiency because you're going to make more money the quicker you sell it, you know, and also you want them to do their job. You want them to be really good and make sure that they, we had one where they could not get our name right on the title. Do you remember that? <laughs> yes, unfortunately, I do. How many times yeah. did that happen? It was mm-hmm. like three times. Mm-hmm. So they closed it and they filed it under a different, like a different variation that's not our name. Mm-hmm. So then we go to sell it again, and they're like, "You don't own it." I mean, we did, but we didn't. Right. Well, other... the name was all messed up. Right. Yeah. So then we had to get the deed corrected, and they had to go back to get the seller to sign. They screwed it up the second time. Seriously. And then we, it was just a, it was just a nightmare. Right. And, and you don't think of it as, oh, they can just kind of fix it. No, they literally had to find the seller who already sold us the property who was done with it that had their money mm-hmm. and they had to go and get it notarized. There's not, I would love to say, oh, most people would be like, oh, that's a sad mistake. Of course, we'll help you. But what's their motivation? There's nothing in it for them at that point. No, other than hassle. Right. And then for them to do it again. Right. So these, this poor seller had to sell it three times or sign it three times. Right. 
it, it's, it's not fun getting stuff notarized if you've ever done that. It's just a tedious process. It's yeah, it's just kind of like boring. I used to be a notary, so mm-hmm. thank you very much. We didn't enjoy it either on that side. <laughs> At least you got paid for it. So it was like ten dollars a signature, and <laughs> okay, I think a that huge much, percentage went to the bank I worked at. I don't okay. even know if I no, I didn't. I don't think I got any of the they money. They didn't pass that on to you. <laughs> they did pay for my E and O insurance, so bless their sweethearts, right? Okay. So yeah, it's not fun, and and that's why you want to you want someone who's really efficient that gets it that understands your vision we move it quick we do it efficiently price yes i don't want to pay for the most expensive one but yeah i'm not looking for the bargain basement where it takes six months and unfortunately sometimes you never know until you actually work with the company you know we worked with it we worked with the company that they were they were really uh inexpensive Mm -hmm. you know we did we sent a lot of properties to them but it took them forever to close the transactions and what happened was that we lost at least a few deals because the buyers, I mean, the sellers got upset and they wouldn't, they wouldn't wait that long. So we ended up shifting to a company that cost more, but was more efficient in getting them closed faster. And uh, yes, it costs more on the transaction side. But when, when I'm looking kind of at the big picture and how much profit we make from the deals and everything, it saved uh, a lot of deals that probably would have, you know, <laughs> would have fell apart because we weren't able to get them closed quickly. And we're talking so. a couple hundred dollars. Yeah, well, yeah, I think it was a little more than that. Oh, is yeah, it? Yeah, it was probably like $500 per deal. It cost us more. So, oh. Yeah, I know. But, you know, it's uh, big picture thinking. So, you know, sometimes you get bogged down in thinking about, you know, trying to... Save $500. Uh-huh. Or maybe, okay, let's say over the course of a month we save, I don't know, $10,000. Let's mm-hmm. say like, or whatever. But if we got three or four more deals, but we made $120,000. Yeah. Yeah, big picture. Sense. Big picture. It just kind of makes sense to mm-hmm. to look look at uh, you know those deals that we missed out on and everything like that. You know, and kind of wrapping this up, it would be great to find a service provider that does an excellent job and their prices are great. Sometimes those combinations don't exist, and unfortunately, sometimes you work with a company that is very expensive and they have, and they, they have very really poor suck. service. So <laughs> this is something you have to figure out over time. Always helps to get referrals and recommendations from maybe other investors that have a great source in a particular area. I'm going to so. add one more element too, that they start off amazing. Yes. And then they slowly die a slow death of... Right. That happens with a lot of service providers mm-hmm. in different industries and things, unfortunately. Yeah. And the other thing too, is that don't, like we say, don't push a deal. Don't push a service provider. If it's just not working, stop beating yourself up. Because right. if you're going to have to stay on top of them and do their job, then you have just missed out on time where you could be getting more deals. Yep. And you There's always stay, options. Right. And you have to stay laser focused. What is your job? What is your goal? I remind you that all the time. Big picture. My, mm-hmm. my, my goal is to do as many deals as we can. So. And specifically, you know, you're in charge of this aspect of it. Mm-hmm. If, if you find yourself having to do other people's jobs, you know, especially a service provider that you're paying, it's it's not a mutually beneficial relationship. No, not a good deal. Not a good deal at all. All right. So the next kind of uh, big area that you can control are your due diligence expenses. Now, due diligence expenses, you know, I know some people just kind of buy these properties without really doing much due diligence at all or research on these properties. We are very big on on doing due diligence, meaning we'll pay for a perk test. We'll pay for we always pay for a photographer for someone to go out to the property. Um, sometimes a survey is needed. Sometimes, you know, there could be a number of other due diligence types of expenses. Mm-hmm. Now, generally, most of them are pretty reasonable. You know, photographers might range anywhere from $200 on the high end. I've paid $800 before because there was no one in that area. It was so remote. Someone had to drive hours to right, get there. Right. But but generally, you know, you two to $300, you can get a good photographer mm-hmm. out to the property, something like that. So it really doesn't make a lot of sense to be like getting a bunch of different bids from, you know, multiple photographers and stuff like that. It's just, just not worth Just know the time. range. Yeah. But. I used to look at this as, um, as a kind of scarcity mindset with money. Like, should we be paying for this? Is that too much? And um, I was actually surprised how quickly I changed my mind. It feels like insurance to me. Every single thing that we can do, I would much rather spend $1,000 and lose a deal because something comes back than buy something and be like, well, we can't make yeah, money off of it. Yeah, this sucks. Yeah, we're screwed now. Yeah. Right. And, and you're yeah, you're right. There's other things too that like, I mean, you've done soil testing. You've done a lot of different random things. Yep. And that's okay. Like be open to wasting money if it's going to save you money in the long run. Right. The things that sometimes come back a little high, you know, like sometimes a soil evaluation, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's a big variance in those. Sometimes you might have someone come back and say, okay, $350. 
And then, you know, you might get someone that says it's $3,500. So it's a little, when you get those kind of crazy bids like that, you always want to get extra bids. <laughs> right. So, and, and maybe that $3,500 is the best you're going to find. But in this situation, you really should be looking at uh, potential other vendors. So. And then the other thing too is don't be afraid to pay extra for faster service because you don't want to lose a deal or if you, you need to turn it quick. Exactly. Yeah. And we do that all the time. Mm -hmm. So, and I guess that's probably not maximizing the profit mm -hmm. for that potential deal, but maybe in the big picture it is. Well, so. our goal is to keep our money moving. Yeah. That's it. Like that's yep. the the most, you know, a lot of people are like, well, you could hold out. You could, you could ask for more money for a property and hold it longer and wait for that perfect buyer. Sure, you could, but that's not our business model. Yeah. in and out could add, you know, hot dogs and maybe they'd sell some hot dogs. They probably would. Yeah. But that's not their business that's model. That's not their business model. I don't yeah. know why I said in and out. Huh? It's a random. Well, that's a good example. I guess if you're, <laughs> you know, if you're into in and out. Due diligence. So, you know, that's, there's not a whole lot you can control there, obviously, but, uh, but obviously I, I don't recommend, you know, like skipping those necessary due no. diligence items just in the, you know, hopes that you're going to make more in the end. It's a gamble if you're going to do something like that. Yeah. And that so. we get, goes back to then, okay, fine. You're a gambler. Mm -hmm. This isn't an investment. This is a speculative in, what are you, a gamble. Yeah. yeah. You're just hoping. Hoping right. and gambling. You know? And if that's you, then that's your thing. I don't know, but yeah. don't do it. I'm like, but yeah. don't do it. Okay. So the next category is somewhat related. So this is the property improvement or value add expenses. Now, the I'm value. Getting comfortable. Okay. The value add expenses is my fa favorite term. Like, well, value add is what we call them. Meaning, yes, it is an expense initially, mm -hmm. but ultimately in the big picture, it's going to make you more profit if, mm -hmm. if you're doing it right. It's going to either make you more profit or help you sell the property quicker in an ideal world. But this is where we, I wouldn't say struggle, but we don't put as much effort as we should because of time. Are you looking to scale your land flipping business quickly? Well, we're happy to present our new cutting edge system built specifically for land flippers. Take a look at the Land Conquest business system today and you'll gain full access to a customizable pre-made website, CRM, dedicated phone numbers, text automations, 24-7 support, and more. It's basically a business in the box. Go to software.landconquest.com to learn more. Yeah. And it's, it's something that we're actively working to. We're working on it. Yeah. Yes. Identifying the highest and best use for every single piece of property that we touch. Mm -hmm. And then where does it make sense to do these things? Like, you know, you talk about brush clearing. That, that was kind of um, when you first started talking about that, I brush clearing, I was like, no, like, no, it doesn't make sense. I don't like the idea of clearing brush. Mm -hmm. But then you you explain it perfectly. How can people visualize how great this is? Especially if you can't walk on, you can't walk through it. If yeah. there's no path, you can't even see how far, you know, you say, oh, it's a five acre property. Okay, great. What am I going to fly above it to see my five? There's, you can't see it. The more that you can help people visualize what this is going to look like, how their life is going to change, see themselves building their place or using it for recreation, whatever it, that is, that is so basic of what we should be doing. Yep. And now we do it more and more. Yeah, we do. And the only thing that holds us back is it's, it's tough finding vendors <laughs> in certain areas and right. with availability and getting bids sometimes and things like that. So it's it's kind of a kind of a tedious process, but we've we've got someone that's coming onto the team here soon that's going to be focused uh laser Just focus doing on this. that. So um, I heard you talking to um, one of our team members about they got a bid. I haven't even asked you about this. They got some sort of bid, but they were shocked at how low it was. What was that for? Do mm. you remember? They were know. they were going to use the Oh, no, no. This was a this was a this is an interesting property. We bought mm -hmm. this property large property with 100 acres, right? And it has an old farmhouse on it. And the house is actually a decent condition and everything like that. But the house is filled with the previous owner's stuff. And they, they took what they wanted. They said, we can have the rest. So it's a lot of stuff, you know? Mm -hmm. So in this situation, you know, generally when you get a house, first thing you do is you get it cleared out. of you call all it trash out. Trash out, you call it. So mm -hmm. it's not necessarily trash in this no. situation. It's just like a, a lot of old furniture and old stuff mm -hmm. and everything in there. So... In this case, uh, we got a bid for the trash out, and it was very, very low. Uh, I didn't forget it was like four or five hundred dollars or something like that. This is a whole big house and that's full, shocking. completely of stuff. Yeah, you know. So then we were like, okay, I know why. <laughs> it's because they're going to 
they see some things of value in there and they are going to resell a lot of those items. So Right. And who knows? I mean, there could be some really cool stuff. There, in there. could be. Yeah. And for them, they're thinking, I need to I need to charge something because I'm like, I'll do it for free. Then they're going to be like, wait, what's in? You know, yeah. I know their mindset. Right. Which is funny. It's not my it's not our business to to do that kind of right. thing. So it's OK. Right. Okay. And we're not around there. It's not like I could walk through the house and kind of, you know, say, oh, this item is really cool. I'm going to keep that, you know, like. And I wouldn't want to because I'd fall in love with something like that. Yeah, oh, that's it's just cool. not, just not How a thing. How could they so, leave this? So we'd probably leave a little bit of money on the table, not having an estate sale or something mm-hmm. like that. But, but in the big picture, we want to sell this property quickly. So does it take, does it really make sense for us to do a month of all this preparations and, you know. Do we have time for me to ask you a couple questions right now? Sure. Okay. So we don't really talk about this much, but we buy land, but sometimes land has houses on it, which is kind of a weird thing because you think, well, why didn't they just sell it like that? Why didn't they sell it as a house? But it's probably because the house, although in good condition, is not house saleable. You can't maybe get a loan. It's not retailable. No. No, you couldn't get a loan on it. Mm -hmm. Um, How often do we come into houses? Pretty frequently. I mean, not, you know, it's not like, it may be one in every 15, 20 deals, something like mm-hmm. that. There's a house on the property, you know, and sometimes these houses are complete teardown situations. Right. And sometimes they, you know, they could be actually salvaged, I guess. You and know. how do we get houses? Was how was this a partner deal? Because we're not mailing no. to li- to houses. I, for How's some reason, happen? in the county records, it just showed up as a, as a, you know, in the, in the list that we had, it showed up as a, uh, just a piece of land. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, I'd have to check specifically on this one. Sometimes these people own, Many properties. Oh, okay. And they'll say, well, I don't want to sell that one, but I do have this. Mm-hmm. So we run into those type of situations all the time, too. I wonder if some of the really old houses that you didn't, they didn't pull permits for, they're fine. They're, they're right. approved, but um, never got really changed. Right. Yeah. These- it's like, you know, a home built in the 1800s or something like that. They didn't have great records then. And it just, you know. It's that, that property it's is pretty sold. much, yeah, it's never, yeah, it's never changed hands, uh-huh. stayed in the same family. So it's just, It you shows know. land, but there really is a house. And, right. And, right. and the main value of the property is the land. Mm-hmm. So, so in this case, we're going to take this house and we're going to split off 10 acres that are right around it. And then we're splitting the rest of the property into 10 plus acre parcels. And then we're going to sell them off individually. Mm-hmm. So do you need to do anything different with the land? I mean, with house stuff? Not really. You know, we're going to list it with a real estate agent, you know, just like we would everything else. But, you know, I know from all of our home flipping days and stuff, it's kind of important for us to get the home cleared out, get the electricity turned on so people can show the show the house and everything. And then likely some house flipper or someone like that is going to buy the property and then they can see that if they invest this amount of money, they're going to be able to make it nice and then retail it to someone else. That's probably what's going to happen. Or maybe someone that sees it for their own purposes and want to be like, I, I love this house and I, I'm fine putting some money into it and making it our dream home. So that kind of thing happens as well. Anyhow, so let's move on to this next category if that's all the questions you have about that. So we've, we've got, uh, just to wrap up the property improvement mm-hmm. value at expenses. So obviously those are expenses, but the main goal is that you're doing things to actually improve the resale price at the end. So mm-hmm. that's kind of uh, that's kind of one big thing that you can control in the deal. It initially sounds like an expense, uh, but hopefully it's going to actually increase your your resale price at the end So right. and help you sell it faster. Right. Okay. So these next ones will go kind of quicker because they're a lot of them aren't, you know, as tedious. I don't okay. know. So the marketing expenses. Yeah. Marketing expenses. In our case, we always use a, a real estate agent or broker to resell our property. So Marketing expenses in that situation, kind of the big one is commissions. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about that at length, how we uh, generally offer, we try to find the best agents and brokers in a particular area mm-hmm. and work with them. And then we pay them a premium commission. So we pay 10% commissions in most cases, unless the uh, resale price of the property is, is quite a bit higher. Than but we, you are free to set your own commission rate. We're not telling yeah, anyone well, that they have to pay That's just what we amount. do. But, right. but anyhow, we do that so we can work with the best mm-hmm. agents and so they'll be motivated to sell our properties. So, Here I am protecting you as a real so, estate professional. Well, you know, you could obviously then, you know, look at this and say, oh, well, that's one easy way to increase your profits is to decre- Don't do is it. to pay less commission. <laughs> right. So, but then you're going to be working with agents that are not so great 
that are not great negotiators, don't know how to market properly, don't have big buyers lists. And they're not you know, motivated to sell it. And they're not motivated that's to sell it because they're not going to make a lot to, of money. Right? So it's all about making money. That's why the, that's why people do it. Yeah, they're not doing it for fun. No. I mean, I mean, for the most part, we have a whole thing about finding a good agent, don't we? Oh, yeah, we do. We have a we have, um, whole podcast. We have that. whole podcast about it. So definitely check that out if you're interested in, in learning about that. Do you have a module in, in Land Conquest yes, training program? Yes, we do. Program? Yeah. Now, the Land Conquest training program, we haven't even mentioned that. So uh, landconquest.com, if you go to that site, you can then get access to our community and our 100% no-cost training <laughs> program, which I've got in there. Meaning it's a very extensive training program that you may pay thousands from other providers, but as being being a member of our community, you get it 100% no cost or free. We just get your firstborn or something. Yeah. What? No. So, I mean, the, the reason is that, you know, we've got a number of other ways, that the services that we provide and programs that we, we offer, you know, the big one being a partner with Pete program. And if you're not familiar with that, we basically will fund your deal. You as an investor get a property under contract. You submit it at partnerwithpete.com. If it is a deal, like you say, it's a deal and it you know kind of matches our criteria, we'll agree to actually fund that deal, meaning we'll pay for the cost to purchase that property and we'll actually take over the whole, all this process that, mm-hmm. that goes along with everything that land Everything you're, we do everything. all, yeah, you negotiate yeah. The, whatever we get to that. We plug it into our, all mm-hmm. our team's processes. Uh, we get the property resold and when the property resells, we split the profits 50-50. There's absolutely no downside for the investor. You know, if we agree to do a deal and we lose money, it's not like we're coming back on the investor and saying, hey, you owe us, you know, you owe us that money. We lost anything like that. No, it's it's a 100% no risk to the investor. And um, we cover all the due diligence and value add costs along the way as well. So It's easier for people to understand, like, why would you offer a, like, a, a really, I, what do you even say, like, Really conclusive, no, in, extensive, extensive training program. Like, why would you do that when you could charge thousands for it? Because that's the reality. It's because if it makes sense in a lot of people's minds, if we train you to do it so well that you bring us tons of deals, yep. we're both going to benefit. Right. But if we put out a really crappy product, the deals you bring are going to be crappy and no one's going to make money. Right. You know, or if we did like, okay, we give you a really good part, but then if you want the really good stuff, you have to pay X amount of dollars, then we're limiting the people because some people just don't have the income to pay for the course right up front, but they've got the drive and they ha- they'll they do it. They just need the training program. That's how we do it. I think it makes sense. It makes fun little anecdote. Um, Go ahead. One of our recent investors that submitted a property at partnerwithpete.com, mm-hmm. uh, we agreed to do the deal. The deal resold uh, quickly. You know, We purchased the property, deal resold quickly within a matter of weeks. And the investor got a wire directly from title company for $185,000. And they brought the deal. Not they didn't have to use any of their money to buy the deal or anything like that. And Obviously, it's no an expensive risk. property. There was no risk. Right. And they didn't have to cut, put forth that money and, and, and that kind of risk thing. Right. Yeah, it just makes sense. So, And then you talked about we have other things. We have a business system that we use that, that will be available soon. We have a mentorship program that kind of walks you through the training program. So yep. if... Yeah, it's free. Anyone can do it. You can do it right this second. But if you're somebody who's like, nope, I want to really make that investment and I want someone to walk me through it and, you know, talk to you about it. Yeah, and then obviously we have a lot of uh, direct interaction on on things as well. So so. we have that too. All right. So that is is the the kind of... um, what were we talking about? Marketing expenses? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you talked about it like commissions. We pay that. It's yeah. important to pay it. Don't FISBO it. Do people? I would. Yeah. I mean, if you've got a really cheap property, then maybe you want to do the flat fee MLS, but you're mm-hmm. still going to be paying another real estate agent on the other side that if they bring a buyer. Right. So. And then you have some other things like additional marketing, neighbor letters yeah. and premium sites. Neighbor letters, that's obviously sent. Let everyone in the neighborhood know, especially that properties that are touching it. Yeah. They might be like, oh my gosh, I'd love for my kids to have a house next door. I just want a bigger, you know, it makes sense. And a lot of people have cash that, that that's a no brainer for them. Premium sites, land.com. That's just like for people specifically looking for land. Yeah. Kind of an exchange. Yeah. So any of these, I don't really view marketing expenses as actual expenses because a lot of times you're going to, you know, really do better on the resale side of things like that resale price. So yeah, that's not even negotiable to me, Mm -hmm. like at all. Actually, most of these are not negotiable. And then the next section is the resale negotiations. Mm -hmm. And this is where I was like, you know, I never really thought of how much money you 
on that side, but a hundred percent, this yeah. is a big deal. Cause if you're someone whose negotiation skills need work, that would be a place to focus really like get comfortable doing negotiations yeah, because that you, you could be leaving a lot of money, a lot of money on the table. I'm getting choked up about it. Yeah. Um, go through some of your tips. Yeah. Well, first of all, you got to be working with the right agent or broker mm-hmm. because they'll uh, set up, you know, these negotiations in the right way. You know, they're not going to be telling the other agent. They're not going to say, oh, this is the only offer we've got on this property. Or, you know, they'll be saying, oh, boy, the activity has been great on this property. We've got a lot of action. And, you know, so they'll they'll prep it right. But so you want to be working with the right ones, first of all. The other kind of big rule I've got is to always counter. Even if you get a great offer right from the beginning, you should always counter. We've now, talked about that in the past. Right. It's a psychological it's thing. A, yeah, because you don't want someone saying, okay, well, I offered too high. You know, and then they start getting buyer's remorse. Mm-hmm. So even if it's something simple as not even the price that you're countering, could be the length of the escrow period. It could be the closing company. It could be a, like a variety anything. of other things. But but it's always best to counter something. So it just sets it up in, in the right way. So I know it doesn't make sense and you'll be tempted to just accept, but always counter. Now with multiple offers, and this happens, you know, on these hot type properties. Time, yeah, yeah, you get multiple offers coming in. You always... You don't just accept the best one that comes in. You tell everyone, you have your agent tell everyone, highest and best. Bring your highest and best. You should be pre-training your agent that you're working with to always do that. If there's more than one offer, you don't need to come to me. Right. You you immediately say, you know, the seller is calling for highest and best offers. Right. And then they give a deadline, you know, mm-hmm. Tuesday at 5 p.m. or whatever. And then, you know, uh, if there's an other agents or whatever that call during that time period, they're, they're letting them know, like, hey, you know, we're, we've got highest and best out. You know, just bring your highest and best by 5 p.m. on Tuesday. And then what happens is, you know, you might get people that really push it. You know, one of the offers might really come back and kind of blow you away. You might get people that sort of hold firm. Uh, but whatever they come back at, you don't have to leave it there either. You can always counter the offer that you want to counter say one of them's cash and one of them's getting a loan and takes 90 days to close mm-hmm. or something like that you can counter the cash one at a price that makes sense for you or a term that you want to change or something like that and then a lot of times you know you might get an acceptance right so. i mean that makes perfect sense you say oh you know they really like your price but they need the terms to be this mm-hmm. or the terms on yours um they they want to move forward with the terms on yours but they would need this price to make it happen right yeah. And normally they're like, okay. I mean, unless and then they're probably crazy. thinking, oh, you know, I probably got to come up with the other, to what the other offer mm-hmm. was, you know, in their head or whatever. But regardless, you know, you should be doing those kind of steps in order to kind of maximize the deal. So the other thing is, I always try to reduce the time of the contract. That's the so, biggest deal for me. Yeah. Actually, that's even bigger than money, actually. Yeah. It's about speed. You know, it's uh-huh. about closing things quickly. You know, a lot of times people put in a 60 day escrow period or time mm-hmm. period on the contract. Uh, we're countering it 30 days, you know, and right. and they may have a reason why they can't get it done in 30 days, but at least it's worth a try. Oh, yeah. Always. Because all of like, OK, that's fine. Right. Because they feel once they've got it locked up, it's theirs. Then they can. You know, right. And, and most of them are, are mostly concerned about the price, the mm-hmm. time period they can stretch to make things happen uh, quicker if, if uh, need be. So the other thing is watch for and counter out seller paid expenses. Now, a lot yeah. of agents write in these types of things like seller to pay $5,000 towards buyer closing costs or seller to pay the survey or seller to pay for all this kind of stuff. So generally, you want to counter out those types of things if they're not the norm in that particular area. Right. And then you also say don't push it too far. And I'll add your favorite thing is don't put yourself in a corner. Don't paint yourself in a corner. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's those kind of work hand in hand. You know, mm-hmm. you don't you don't, don't be unreasonable, you and know, don't give like definitives. Like if I don't get X amount that I'm not selling to you. Yeah, exactly. Because then they're like, well, I guess they're not selling to me. You know what I mean? Then it, it, it just doesn't make it any causes sense. a problem. Yeah. yeah. So don't talk in absolutes. That's it. Okay. Don't talk in absolutes. Yes. Yeah. And then you also talk about the, if you have a premium property price it at market value or a hair under these will sell. Yes. And then if your property has issues, make sure you're pricing it right from the start. Don't chase it down. Yeah. Yeah. So a quick thing about premium mm-hmm. properties, premium properties, You'll, you'll find this out. Like the premium properties sell, even if, even if you're at market value. And sometimes you don't really know it's really premium until you've listed on the market and you get... Uh, 5,000 yeah. offers in the first 10 days. Yeah, I but, mean, 10 minutes. Yeah. But you'll get a feel for it after a while. You'll know like, oh, this is, this is a really good property. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a good one. You don't have to 
price those at some sort of huge discount from market value. You can price those at market value, maybe a slight hair under just to get a little bit of attention, depending mm-hmm. on what the market conditions are. So, and then the other thing is don't overprice a property that's got some problems. Just be aware if your property that you're selling has some issues, it may not be perfect. Uh, you want to price that accordingly and price it at a little bit of discount to the market value. So you get attention and you sell it quickly. Right. So, okay. And then the next one is the resale transaction expenses. And, and I, this, I was going to actually point this out because you said something a little earlier about like when you're negotiating, you could even do the, uh, the closing company for the sale. And, and a lot of times, and you have it on here is that you're not as the seller, you're not allowed to control that the buyer in yeah. some places yeah. gets to, gets to pick who closes the transaction. Right. But if it, if that's not the case and your agent in that area should know, well, hopefully would definitely know like you can't do that or whatever. Right. Because a lot of times it, it's a lot easier to use the same closing attorney that you bought it with because yep. they already have the file. They know the property. Right. They did the title search. Right. Everything's ready to go mm-hmm. and you might save some expenses there. Right. Yeah. On both sides, the buyer, the new buyer and you could save some money sometimes. So, yeah. but it just depends on on the legality of that. And then you said review the review all settlement statements in detail detail to make sure there's no errors and that the costs are distributed exactly like they are specified on the contract. And I cannot stress that enough. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> for instance, they'll send a, you know, and, and a lot of times it's just an assistant or something that puts these numbers together in your final settlement statement. Always review them. Always look to make sure that they're charging you for the right stuff. You know, say for instance, the you get a settlement statement back and they're showing you paying all the closing costs, but in your contract it says they're supposed to be split evenly. You want to make sure that's done right. So, uh, you know these companies they make errors all the time. We're you know we're all mm-hmm. human. You know we all make mistakes, but you really need to be having an extra layer. I and mean, we've saved thousands of dollars over over the years just kind of reviewing those statements and pointing out some of those things. And if you're not sure. You're not sure, and mm-hmm. something just ask a question, point out, and say, "Hey, is this right? Is this supposed to be this way?" Right, and and there's no like they're not going to get offended. No, but there's two things. There's the the error just on the HUD that or the settlement statement or whatever they call it there. There is the the random error, a number, or it's just put on seller and it should be on buyer. That's one thing. Do you have a great deal under contract? We'll submit it to partnerwithpete.com. The Partner with Pete program is a deal funding program where we will actually use our funds to complete the purchase of the property. We will do every other step of the process, including the due diligence, the transaction side, the marketing side, and the transaction on the resale side. And when all the dust settles, we will split the profits 50-50. There is no downside for you as an investor, only upside. So once again, go to partnerwithpete.com, submit your deal there, and let's get it funded. Then there's also making sure that it is following the contract. Yeah. Because if you have enough transactions, you'll forget like, oh, wait, as part of the way to get to us to lower the price, they agreed to pay all settlements. You know what I mean? And that's not normal. It's normally 50-50 or whatever it is. So you need to, and you might miss it just because it's like, oh yeah, I normally pay 50%. And then later like, shoot, you know? So you need to be referring back to your contract. And then you also just need to be looking at it just to make sure that everything, and make sure it adds up. Yeah. That's the other thing that drives me crazy is so many times it won't add up. I'm like, how do they close this? I don't know. They figured out maybe someone got the extra funds. I don't know. I'm like, this didn't, this doesn't add up. So just some things to look to look for. Any final thoughts on this before we get to? No, no. I think those are all the different things you can control to kind of maximize your profit on deal. Control. (laughs) Control. Well, some of the things you can control, but. It's hard to control anything these days, right? Right. So these are questions from our community, landconquest.com. Yeah. Every podcast we do a segment at the very end Mm -hmm. where we cover some of the Favorite questions that have been asked in our community over the past week. So these are those. Okay, so let's get started with the first question. Let's check them out, Heather. Okay, so this is from Akash. Uh, He says, or they say, I'm sorry, I don't know who this is, uh, mailing and funding. Hello, guys. Just trying to get some feedback from people who have been in business for some time. Do you still mail when you run out of cash to buy deals? (laughs) Or do you guys keep mailing and wait until you're finding something for funding from other investors. Since mailers are not cheap, looking to find alternatives as you can't stall the operation until the flip is completed. Please let me know if you have been in this situation and alternatives you've used. Well, I'm, you know, I may be a little bit biased, but but I really think if you have some limitations on, on marketing budget and everything like that, you should definitely be spending your money on the marketing and then take your deals for partners 
funding. So in this case, you know, Akash was saying that, you know, he was wondering if he should continue marketing or, or kind of hold that money to kind of maybe fund some deals or mm-hmm. something like that himself. As that example I told you about earlier, $185,000 the investor made just by getting a property under contract. Right. So, and if they had been thinking, oh, shoot, I don't have the money for this, they would have passed on it and then they would have made zero. Exactly. So I, I think the much better use mm-hmm. is getting those deals, you know, doing the marketing to get the deals. Mm-hmm. And then once you have the deal, then you can get it funded and you can get a, get a partnership going. And obviously, I would hope you would send it to partner with Pete and then, you know, we'll, we'll work together on it. I like that answer. Okay. Jack says small deals. To start, I'm a newbie and I don't have a lot of money to do, to do deals with. I still have a full-time job and I'm only doing this on the side for extra cash. I'm curious how many of you do mostly small one-acre deals. I have a lot of one-acre opportunities where I live. As you can guess, they don't yield a lot of profit. I just want to see if there are any tips and advice regarding dealing with small deals so I can enhance my game. And then I think he did like a laughing, sticking his tongue out face. Okay. And then it says, thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, great. You know, this is this is kind of along the lines of this, the last question, meaning that the small deals, yes, uh, they might be easier to do. They might mm-hmm. be easier to buy. There's a lot more of them out there to buy. And, and maybe you can get more deals per marketing dollar spent. You know, maybe, maybe it costs you $1,000 in marketing to get uh, a deal that's a small deal, small profit potential deal. But on the other hand, those are generally harder to sell. <laughs> I know it doesn't make any sense, but those are generally harder to sell because, you know, they're less valuable and people want something that's substantial generally. And so those smaller properties, they take a longer time to sell. Uh, the other part about it is obviously if you buy a property for, I, and I don't know the specific amount, like what he's talking about, is this a $5,000 property he's buying and maybe sell it for 10000 or whatever the case may be. Those ones are are good. You know, it's, it sounds like a great profit margin to double your money, but on you could also buy a property for, uh, you could get a property under contract, get a partner to fund the deal. And then obviously the partner, especially in this situation, we handle all that other stuff so you don't have to get bogged down with any of it. And then you'll make quite a bit more profit because these are larger deals. You don't have to come up with the money. It doesn't matter. You're just getting a contract. Right. So. And I already feel that he feels like he's pushing something he shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like if you're asking the question, you know the answer. And I feel like the best way to, everyone wants to jumpstart this. They want to make more money quicker. Mm-hmm. And the way to do that is simply get a deal partner, spend mm-hmm. your money on the marketing. Right. Just focus on that right now. So I'm going to bring in as so many deals that I'm going to overload Pete. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like that's yeah. where your focus should be. And then you start asking the question once you have some practice, because now you've said someone else looking at your deals someone working through all this kind of stuff with you after you get some more deals done, you have a deal partner and you have cash in the bank, you start asking, okay, am I ready to branch off completely on my own? Right. And some want to, some people are like, that's my goal. Some people are like, no, I will never do that. I do not like that level of risk or, or whatever it is. Or I just really enjoy the thrill of the, I hate saying that. I'm not going to say it, but the thrill of getting the deal. Yeah, yeah and that's exactly. fine. That's good. Know yourself. Everyone's situation is different. I, I've seen plenty of examples of investors that go down that road, they're, they're starting with the cheap properties because they feel like it's no risk. They feel like they can handle that. And then they get and they stuck have the in money the, for it. Yeah. And they've, they've got, they get stuck in this mode though, where there's, they're buying these thousand dollar properties and selling them for, you know, uh, 2,500 or $3,000 and in profit. Right. And they're doing all these deals like that, but they really can't ever get ahead. I mean, like it just barely is more than what their marketing costs mm-hmm. are to get a deal. And they're wondering why they're struggling and why this business is so hard because it's hard to sell those deals as well. I just think there's a lot easier ways to do things. I want to let you in on a secret too. The cheaper deals are the bigger pain in the ass deals. Yeah, they really are. The cheaper the price, the cheap, or the the more hassle. Mm-hmm. And you're going to expend sometimes even more effort than the more midterm or the higher level ones. And you're not going to make as much money. So even if we're just talking about straight time, right? It's the same amount of time to work the deal either way. So I would rather focus on working the deal that's going to make me a lot more money than not. I can tell you that we've done so many like different businesses and the cheaper ones are always the harder ones. Yeah. They always have the bigger issues. The people buying them, it's like it's like they are fearful of everything. They're not seasoned and, you know, buyers themselves. 
Yeah. Anyways, push through that. Mike says, how do you normally ask for a broker opinion? I have a lot in Texas that I have a PA signed, but not sure about going through with it. The comps are hard to tell and not a lot of activity in the area. If I buy it, I will list with a real estate agent, but would like to know their opinion on resale value before purchasing it. How do you normally go about this? I already asked an agent in town and they wanted to know if it was already at the title company, etc., and then ghosted me. Is there a script to follow or specific things to ask? Thanks in advance. Yeah, yeah, Mike. Um, by the way, I, I noticed I feature a lot of Mike's questions. He asked a lot of great questions in the community. So I have short-term memory. That I, I have no idea. I probably said, you know, obviously if, I, you, if you feature them, I'm reading them. And yes. Yeah. Okay. So we, we actually cover this in mm-hmm. the land conquest training program because it's such a big part of what we do. First of all, you want, when you're contacting an agent or a broker, you're trying to find the best ones first. So if you've found the best ones, you, who you think is the best one, you give them a call. Hey, I've got this property under contract. Uh, we're a real estate investor. We buy and sell lots of properties. Um, I noticed you're kind of the, the the big shot in this area, so mm-hmm. I figured I'd give you a call. I've got this property we're under contract to buy. Uh, our goal is we're going to buy it, and then as soon as we close on the purchase, we're going to resell it. So I was hoping you could uh, maybe do a little bit of a desktop review of this property and let me know what you think you'd resell it for. I'm not calling other agents or brokers around mm-hmm. town. I just kind of want to find a, a great person in, yeah. an area, and in the area, and it seems like this is you, and hopefully we can do a lot of business together. So you kind of position it in a way that you know, it makes it worth their time. You want to take away some of those objections that they're mm-hmm. probably thinking like, oh, this person's not even going to close a deal or, oh, they're going to just use my opinion and then sell it themselves or, oh, you know, I'll never hear from them again, you know, all these types of things. So you try to cover all that stuff uh, at the beginning. So you're hopefully getting through to them and, and working with someone good. And so. we come to that from each of us having done thousands of BPOs, mm-hmm. like yeah. thousands of BPOs for for different things over the years. And yeah, you get people who kind of, you get this feeling like, oh, they have no idea what they're talking about. They're literally just using me. I'm not going to go out there. You said a desktop review, which is important too, because mm-hmm. a lot of times a BPO involves a drive-by or even an interior. Mm-hmm. So you're upfront telling them, I don't expect you to go there. Right. I'm not asking you to go there and like walk the whole thing and, and mm-hmm. do all this. That's not what I'm asking. Just to Kate, as somebody who's knowledgeable in the area to do this, you need to exhibit confidence. I would even maybe mention too, like, oh, you know, at some point you might want to say like, it'll be closed through an attorney, whatever it is, you know, as soon as yeah. the attorney's done with the blah, 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 we'll be, do, you know, mm-hmm. and you need to them to know that, that you're a professional company that does this. This is all you do. Right. You do this all the time, but you're branching new into this area. Right. Exactly. We're looking for our go-to agent in this mm-hmm. area and we're hoping it's you. Right. So anyhow, like you said, the confidence goes a long way. You don't want to make it sound like you're um, wishy-washy in, right. in, in any sense of the word. And that uh, you've got the property under contract, not the fact that you're thinking about buying this or any of that kind of stuff. You've got the property under contract. You're mm-hmm. buying this property. It's just part of your thing that you want to um, get uh, hooked up with a local broker that knows their stuff and will get it, be able to get it resold for you. So. Right. And you might have to go through a few different ones. Some of them yeah. are just burned out or just incapable. Right. Okay, so Gene says, rough streak. Do you ever feel like you just can't get the right person to respond? My past couple of mailers have either been people chewing me out because their property is worth 10000 when I offered, or I have been people jumping to accept the offer because I'm offering 10 times what the property is worth. The numbers have to average out eventually, but wow, this is a rough streak. Yeah, sometimes rough streaks happen, Gene. It mm-hmm. just does. And, um, you know, first of all, you shouldn't be put in a position where you're having people yell at you. Honestly, I think you should be yeah. having a call service that, that kind of screens out any of those type of angry people, first of all. It's not that expensive either, by the right. way. And if you're pricing properties 10 times what the market value is, then maybe, maybe to, you know, put a little bit of extra effort into the pricing of mm-hmm. them. You know, some of these automated models out there do that, like if you're using an automated service to kind of price your your mailers, uh, that could be part of the problem. So maybe you want to look at it manually and do that pricing that way. So tackle it first. Is there something I'm doing wrong? Right. Like make sure that I'm I'm doing the what I should be doing. Consider using the service that weeds through this. So you're not um, because I think the other issue is it's uh, it's wearing you down. Yeah, I could sense it. I could yeah. sense that question, and that's a big part of it. If you have mm-hmm. people calling up and yelling at you, I mean that's gonna that's gonna. That would get, get to me after a while mm-hmm. for sure. So you know just to kind of. Look at a couple of those things that maybe you can improve on your process and then know the fact that it's also there's variability in this business. So like sometimes 
things yep. don't always work out the greatest, you know. And you'll go through a streak where things are seeming so great for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's ups and downs. You know, business is not this straight line. So you got to push through these areas like this. And then obviously, if you identify areas where you can improve your processes or, or whatever you're doing, then uh, make those changes and keep moving forward. Right. So it's a multiple, multiple part thing. Do what you can to control it and then say, hey, are the outside forces and maybe a new area? I mean, like you. Yeah, that's right. Some areas just don't work well for this mm-hmm. but for whatever reason. And that's OK. But I would um, start with getting the service. I, I, would, I would look at your mailing and then I would get a service and then I would say, OK, is this outsider? Yeah. Exactly. So, uh, all good that stuff. Was, yeah, Boy, that can, was a that was a good episode today. Where can everyone find you? Yeah, basically, uh, you can find me on Instagram at Partner with Pete at Partner with Pete, mm-hmm. and also TikTok at Partner with Pete. And we've got a Facebook page. We've got we're on YouTube at Turning Profit. Mm-hmm. So if you're just listening to this podcast, please check it out on YouTube. We've got other videos and other great content that we post on there as well, all related to land flipping and real estate investing as well. The Best part, uh, best thing you can do, though, is to join our community. It's called Land Conquest. So you just go to landconquest.com and uh, you just uh, set up a profile there and then you'll get uh, a wealth of knowledge right at your fingertips with the Land Conquest training program. I like it. Um, Something else I want to start adding in. I don't know how soon we'll be able to, but pick a, a review of the week. Oh, okay. Someone leaves some sort of review and they want to say something, then... Mm-hmm. We could read it yeah. and, and answer that. But if you have questions that you definitely want to get even maybe featured sooner, um, go to Land Conquest because we do pick some from there. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and the other thing is turningprofit.com. Mm-hmm. That's our website that obviously is for a podcast here, but it's got all of our income reports posted on there. And if you haven't read or watched any of the income reports, uh, I would highly recommend checking those out. It'll show you what's possible in this business because each month, I go into detail about our numbers of our business, you know, the um, revenue, the profit, each and every deal that we do, what we bought them for, what we sold them for, lots of other stuff on there. So you can get an idea of what this business is actually like. Yeah. And but, lastly, um, if you haven't already, subscribe, review. We're on your favorite, wherever you're listening now, we're also on YouTube. Or if you're on YouTube, we're also on your favorite player. And share with a friend. I think that's, we oh, don't yes. ever. Oh, yes. I never asked for no, that, but it's true. we always kind of forget because if you're kind of this like-minded, there's a chance that you have friends that are also like-minded. And this is kind of a fun thing to do together. Yeah, it's so certainly. Yeah. create your own little micro-climate where you are. Micro-climate? Micro sure. group of where yeah. you are. So share it with a friend. See if they're interested. Have them share it. And I'll try not to attack this microphone. Okay. Um, until next week, right? We'll see you then. Okay, bye. All right, bye. Ready to start turning profit yourself? Head to turningprofit.com to step up your real estate investing game. See you on the next episode.